Hey, this is Keith. Or some actor playing Keith, I'm not really sure anymore. But um, we're coming to the end. The end of my Los Angeles con spree. But before I leave, I have some scores to set and discover a couple truths to be revealed. It's all going to come down to the season finale of Rideshare Episode X. It's going to drop on December 3rd. Now, until then, I want you to catch up by binge listening the first season. And I suggest that you do exactly as I say. Or you're going to miss all the fun. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's Breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. This is Flint Dilly, and I really enjoyed being on the Knowing is Half the Podcast. That's my real voice. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to don't, another... Don't, don't I'm do trying not bullshit. to peek you, Chan. Don't do none of that. I'm not try and, to peek you. Like, oh, no, I, I'm do, I know, I don't totally know normal about. human being. This is a normal I, intro for I talk for like a person. <laughs> bullshit. Bullshit. You're just hoping that people just came on because they saw Gene on Moviefied to be like, oh, here's a totally normal human being who's doing this podcast instead of the monster we know you are. What? How dare you, sir? Just because I kidnapped both of you and made you watch every episode of G.I. Joe and other cartoons of the 80s does not make... I see where you're coming from now, in hindsight. My name is Ray Stacanis. I'm Robert Chan. I'm Gina Bolito. And we are talking about a wonderful episode of G.I. Joe. It's called The Spy Who Rooked Me. Yeah, the spy. It's a James Bond send up, sort of. I thought for sure because when we've had we've had writer Buzz Dixon on the show Correct. before, name drop much, and he yeah, we're close personal friends with him, uh, and he mentioned that they really like making James Bond references. Correct. Uh, like there's there's one episode where it's like, no, Mister Something, I expect you to die. I can't remember who said yep. it or what episode. It feels like it. a Doctor Mindbender line. But... Uh, it was it was season one, so it oh, wasn't. It was not. But but yeah, like Buzz said, that there's like lots of James Bond influenced James Bond but, things, and this was written by Susan K. Williams. I thought for a second maybe it would have been Buzz. It's a lady lady power episode. Lady. Yeah. I actually felt like the Oda Cobra episode that Flint Dilly wrote. Uh, the one where uh, they have the yacht and the, 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 the perfume that makes men love them. Oh, and then yeah. the Destro and the Baroness are like fighting over the perfume on this oh, billionaire's yeah. yacht. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was more of a James Bond episode than this one was. This was more of just like a normal G.I. Joe episode with a James Bond character pushed into it. Who yeah. indeed puts one over on him. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> this is from So Embarrassed, and we'll get to it when we get to it. But I saw the plot twist happening from the very beginning, and I felt very proud of myself at the end when it got revealed. And then I thought to myself, but Ray, you also remember you've seen this episode before <laughs> like 30 years ago. You're not really that smart. You just have excellent recall in the moment. <laughs> I'm kind of interested in um, who the Susan K. Williams is because she's listed on IMDb as having written this episode of G.I. Joe mm-hmm. and one episode of Transformers. So she, And nothing else? Yeah, and nothing else. Oh, wow. Oh, maybe it's a pen name. It's it's probably a pen name. It might be someone who, yeah, I guess so, but like maybe an author who did other stuff and this was just like some sort of like day gig or so whatever. So we don't even know if it was actually written by a lady. Yeah. Uh, or it might even, I, I mean, 
probably was. It might even have been someone like uh who like worked in the office, sure, and just wanted to like and had just an, episode. an episode. And yeah, yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, it's one of the better episodes. So. I, I did like it. I mean, we we open up here in the casino. Uh, we're back in Vegas again. The what? The Ritzy Club. The it's Ritzy called Club. Ritzy. It's not even the Ritzy Club. It's Ritzy Club. That's the name of the place. I, I like it. I know exactly what I'm getting when I go there. Yeah. I don't yep. have to go and be like, oh, right well, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing jeans. They should have named this something like the Ritzy Club. I, I didn't know that this place would be caveman themed. <laughs> I guess Ugg's Palace should have been my clue. No, it, I mean, it. Sh- they should have just called it caveman thieved club <laughs> and you know what That's you true. know walking right. in the door mm-hmm. you know there's no silverware anywhere actually that would be confusing because a caveman was generally pictured as having a club so Ooh. they might have oh, walked yeah. in thinking like Dude. i expected a stick of wood and instead i find this club with people dressed as cavemen how very <laughs> odd Ugh, naming clubs is hard guys it's yeah it's much more difficult so i i take that back that's that's on me for just being insensitive to the plight of club namers you know, yeah. i've got a lot more respect for that one cousin we all have <laughs> who, names who, who calls clubs? themselves a club promoter oh. and never seems to have a job and is always asking for money <laughs> i feel like that's a very specific to la thing uh, maybe it is <laughs> well dr mindbender's decked out right and he's yeah. got a shirt on what's chan what is going I on know. i don't know i don't understand why the purple fur robe i, I loved it i don't understand I why he keeps it. it on when he's running away here's Why do take the shit uh, off casinos are very cold yeah. they mm-hmm. keep them cold specifically to like keep people awake and and spending money and gambling and drinking so it's very cold in there. It is, but I mean, with the Cobrathon episode also taking place in Vegas, where I assume we are right now, like he rocked the, as you remember, the cape with suspenders and no shirt yeah, with we, tuxedo pants. Also, we established in the last episode that he's impervious to cold. We, we didn't know that. So, yeah, but the, So none of this makes sense. Maybe, it's there's, just not a, maybe there's a dress code. There is a dress code in Vegas. They don't no want this shoes, crazy. No shoes, no shirt, no yeah. service. Yeah, but you're, if you're there to commit to like do criminal acts of terrorism, no, are they really going to be like, sir? You don't want to draw attention to yourself. You got to follow the basic rules you don't want to draw attention so you wear a giant flowing purple cape hey have you ever been to vegas people wear a lot weirder things than you are not flowing purple cape. i uh, will tell you like uh, yes he is impervious to cold uh but also it's possible that that particular cape was just like really itchy and scratchy on the inside mm-hmm. so it's like i can't wear this with with a okay. without a shirt they just put the shirt on and well i mean it would be weird if I were to put on a bow tie with no shirt, right? I'm not a Chippendale. <laughs> he didn't want to be confused for uh And he has the abs. Yeah, he could absolutely be confused. Yes. Yeah. If you if you saw Dr. Meidenbetter walking through a casino, you'd be like, that dude is going to give someone uh, give some bachelorette party a lap dance. Yeah. Yep. yep. Well, I, I wonder uh, which Thunder from Down Under he works at. I would be into it if there, oh was, a, well, if yes. there, was, a, if there was a G.I. Oh. Joe-themed... Dance crew. Yes, yes. Male review. Uh, I would uh, have my bachelorette party. Sarah does not. Sarah is does not planning to have a bachelorette party. I'm going to (laughs) now. I'm going to plan one for her and just have all GI Joe themed strippers. (laughs) She would. She will. will, Yeah, she would absolutely hate it. But I'm going to get such a kick out (laughs) of it, and I would love it. Yeah. Here's the deal. I want to come to this, (laughs) and I'm I'm all man, everybody. Uh, anyway, so we see you realize gay men are all men too, right? Well, I meant all men in the in the traditional sense, oh, the sense man. of being like one hundred percent biologically male. Yeah, <laughs> it's still, I guess. Well, to be fair, strippers aren't gay. It, you know, I'm sure. Not necessarily. I'm sure the the the, the their, <laughs> like we're going their on a bad road here. <laughs> their sexual status is probably the same as as the the rest of the United States is. Yeah. 
Let's say it's probably equal. Yeah. Separate but equal. Is that what you want, Ray? <laughs> Can I just have separate drinking fountains for strippers and non-strippers? No, for men and real men. Uh, oh, dear Lord. I'm going to change the subject immediately. I mean, separate drinking fountains for strippers and other people make sense to me because I am tired uh, of seeing glitter true. in my fountain. Yeah. Also, if they put if, if a stripper puts their mouth on the uh, the little water thing, I don't oh want to. Oh, my God. I'm not Why do people do that? Oh. People put their uh, whole mouth over uh, the spout. Oh, well, shut up. Horrifying. Shut up. Maybe if they turn, on the, oh, the, turn the water pressure up a little bit, then we wouldn't have to oh, keep okay, fair sucking. Enough. I'm gonna dry heave. I'm gonna dry heave. <laughs> By we, I, I definitely mean me. I oh. definitely, I take my tongue out. And I'm like, oh, 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 I'm gonna gag. Uh, I'm gonna gag. I'm uh, never gonna drink guys, are we are we in again. a sketch right now? <laughs> a gross out sketch. <laughs> this is enough to characters? gross me out. This is enough to gross me out. Seeing someone put their mouth on the water. I told you all those cookies and caffeine so would would end up badly. Oh, yeah, that's true, Chan. You did warn us ahead of time. It's starting to kick in. <laughs> so the most stereotypical spy in the entire world walks in. His stereotypical name is... or archetypical? Uh, yeah. okay. I would argue that that Both. is, yeah. I mean, that not only is he British, like, you know, you're good old, you're the is best year James Bond. Oh, he's very, he's very British. I feel like he was doing, he was doing my, like, I'm British voice that I do, but really, I, I'm just like a fancy person. <laughs> Really, just a well, fancy. Person. All yeah, British people like, are fancy people, Gina. Like That's anytime, just known. anytime I I do like a British accent, Samir, who whose mom is British, he's like, you know, that wasn't like a British accent. You're just like doing uh, an an improv. I'm fancy voice. Now, forgive me though, but if if your if your boyfriend Samir's mom is English. That means Samir is also English. Uh, Am I wrong? He, he, half and half. He's half half English, half Iranian. <laughs> like, yes. So. I don't know which which one is the dominant one. Ooh, well, does he talk fancy? Uh, no. Then it's not that one. <laughs> Here's the thing. I went and looked it up. Uh, Philip L. Clark is the man who uh, voiced uh-huh. uh, Matthew Burke, and he is not British. Born in 1938, uh, he died uh, uh, just a few years ago. Oh, way to bum us out, Chan. Uh, he lived a good long life. Okay, he sure good, did. Good. Yeah. Um, he was born in Atlanta, Georgia. I knew it. So, so not real British. There's, I Nor mean, do I expect anybody in this show to not be American, just for the record. Yeah, I just can't remember. I, I, I might need to hear a sound clip, but for some reason I thought he was doing like, oh, yes, I'm, I'm very fancy. Well, it's I'm too bad we don't do... Hello, I'm very fancy. Too bad we don't do any sound clips on this show whatsoever. <laughs> Chan? Hey, some palooka just dented the boss's car. Well, Whoops. to be fair, that's him doing an impression of a New York guy right. as a no, British guy. Yeah. No, no, so I can see where Gina a... got confused. <laughs> find a... She go. thought she was back in Let's Jersey. I dare say Cobra will be watching this area around the lab. They'll be expecting us to employ a large force and they'll be ready for it. Okay, that's, that's a perfectly British. acceptable British, British accent. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, how it's dare not Dick you, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Poppins over here, dude? This guy, <laughs> this guy did uh, voiceovers uh, since 1974. Jeez. So by the time he got to this, he'd 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 already been a like a veteran. Right. It's an acceptable. It's an acceptable British accent. Well, I like the fact that okay, so he's he's clearly a spy, and he just yeah. walks in. He gets the guard to go away with the uh, aforementioned thing. Uh-huh. He walks into the door where Doctor Mindbender and the casino owner, I assume, are having some sort of terrorist organization. So he walks in the front door of this office, and nobody notices him. <laughs> like if anybody was, if you're ever in a room and somebody walks into that room by opening the one door to that room, generally speaking, everybody turns and looks and notices. Yeah. If Am you're I having uh, uh, a meeting. 
where you're selling a huge thing of nerve gas, yes, it, you, you're probably going to want to keep things on the DL. And you're probably going to want to know who's in the room, who like, enters the room. Even if it's just your bodyguard coming in to tell you something, you're going to stop talking. They don't even break sentence. You know, he's just like, and this is the gas and it's doing terrible things. Mm-hmm. And anyway, mm-hmm. I hope no one hears this. Highly illegal, just they, so uh, everyone we're clear. They That's- wanted to get it out before they lost their train of thought. <laughs> like I guess for me as a writer, he could have just like cracked the door open a little bit and heard that part of it, and then walked in, and nothing would have to change. No, he wants but he to full make an on entrance. enters the room. I feel he like wants that's to make an entrance. I think that's what was in the script, and the animators were like, "Nah, this nope. guy's <laughs> busted open. Let's go." But then an amazing fight happens because Paluka Joe he, he comes back in again and picks up Matthew Burke and throws him across the yep. room like a pro wrestler. Yep, yep. And I loved it, like Jaws. And then he pulls out a gun, Matthew. Yep. Burke pulls out a gun and he takes a gun. He crushes it in his hand. Yep. This is the best bodyguard ever when he's not leaving. <laughs> yeah. Post. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, in order to defeat uh, Burke and everybody get away, he like he like hits. A, why not give him the karate chop? You're coming from behind. You're in an episode of GI Joe. Use the karate chop to take him out, like every other robot animal human being that we've ever seen. Uh, I feel like that's uh, specialized knowledge. That only GI Joes and certain Cobras have. Is that I right? Know that that uh, you've seen you know, like Vipers and Cobra soldiers do it, sure. and it works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you just. I don't think Brits have that capacity. Well, this well, he's not British. This guy was in Vegas. Uh, the the bodyguard. Oh right. When well, he was getting the jump on Matthew Burke. No, if you can, if you can <laughs> crush a gun with your bare hands. Okay, fair you're enough. You're not going to bother with technique. You're just going to punch things really hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I take everything back. You are 100% correct yeah. on that. When and all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. That's correct. Uh, did you guys notice, because Dr. Mindbender and the casino owner now drive away, which mm-hmm. is weird because you would think they would just call security and have Matthew Burke removed nah, they <laughs> from don't the want situation. Security to know what's going on. Well, I mean, also, they have um, deadly nerve gas that is uh, absolutely a violation of the Geneva Convention. it's in a box. Yeah. You can close the box and call 50. Like, how fast does it take security to, like, you know, to come up to the boss's office if he's having a problem? I don't know. It just seems to me like them fleeing the scene is a little bit of a strange choice. Mm-hmm. But did you see the license plate on their car as they were driving away? There's, like, a one-shot close-up of it. Yes. As they try to run down Matthew Burke and... And? It is C. C. Zero 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 br br of strangely small a yes eight nine three yes cobra eight nine cobra eight nine three okay so I'm wondering if they were mir- mir- uh, mirroring a, a British license plate like a, a European license uh, yeah, plate yeah I'm sure I'm sure because that was the part I was it was just such a strange confusing like uh, boost of letters and numbers together that doesn't match any U S license plate I'm yeah, aware yeah I think because yeah. because Although, they're following James Bond rules they always hmm. do have those long those dumb European mm-hmm. license plates. Am I right, guys? Get your act together, Europe. I told them. Brexit. 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 <laughs> Dear Lord. But yeah, so uh, J- uh, Matthew Burke jumps over the car and uses a laser beam to blow up the entire car. Man, them laser cufflinks are dope. Yeah, why can't we get laser cufflink technology in actual laser guns? Uh, it's it's proprietary British technology. Oh, is that right? Yeah. The Queen's uh, Q made that for him? Yep. We assume? M. 
Oh, M. Oh, no, I'm sorry. No, it is Q. M is the boss. Yeah. Okay. I always got those confused. I I can never remember. Q is is round and it has a a little line Uh, through it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. M M is a bunch of lines connected together. I do not understand how that connects to uh, (laughs) uh, gadgets. And I don't understand how M connects to I am the boss. Like manager, I guess. Yeah. I'm the manager of this establishment. And Q is I'm the... Quiet, science, and progress. <laughs> That's what it stands for. Q stands for quirky technology, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I assume. Uh, so he takes the box and he fl- flees the scene and it goes straight off to G.I. Joe. Yeah. And oh, oh, this G.I. Joe scene. First of all, there's a lady serving tea while you're talking about highly classified military I operations. Wrote, in all caps, I wrote Baroness serving coffee. Of course, I was wrong because it's season two Zorana. and Zorana is Zorana. taking up all of the... Uh, of the spy work. They're literally saying things like, oh, no one can know about this. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, thanks for the tea, lady, that we probably Here's got from a temp agency. The great thing about this episode, though, is they explain that. It's not a... St- they're not idiots. Yes. It feels at first like you're watching it like, why would they have this top secret conversation with a rando maid in the room who yeah. nobody knows who that is? Uh-huh. Uh, and it, you're, they're actually playing on the, uh, um, uh, the old, old G.I. Joe episodes yeah. that where that sort of thing happens all the time. And because they're like, yeah, these kids, they don't care. I, I was they also greatly Wait, upset. what is the yeah. explanation for... At the end of the episode, the entire Gina, denouement of this episode, Gina? where he says, "Like we knew that Zorana was there, so, so we created this whole decoy thing." Yeah, but okay, okay, but jo- the Joes did not know this. Yes, the Joes knew this. No, they didn't. No, they did not. Oh, br- or rather, or rather, no, oh, no, no, General no. Hawk knew it. Yeah, General Hawk knew it. But also, General Hawk is a different voice in this than normal General Hawk. I heard it; it really? was like wrong sounding Muppets to me. It was really weird. Oh. Um, I I ignore General Hawk whenever whenever he's there. I Same. Just, I, I don't. don't but care after the Sink the Montana episode, like I really feel like I got a, a, a an idea for his timbre, an idea for his pitch and his his sound. After he screamed that poor guy's name, like Latimer's name, like a hundred times in a row, <laughs> and and it's just like it was just weird. It was it was just the wrong. It was a different voice actor. It had to have been because it was just way off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you have a sound pull of that? Uh, I'm checking real quick, and nope, still the same voice. Ed Gilbert. Really? Yeah. It just sounded, maybe he had a cold that day or something, because he sounded way off. Way (laughs) off. Um, Do you even have the the sound pull for, uh, I want to hear it again, just to see if I'm crazy. We have Mr. Burke to thank for that. The question is how to dispose of it. Yeah, that's the voice of like one of the the the, the admirals from the Synthoid conspiracy episode, like uh, one of the colonels or something. Like it's just that's not the normal General Hawk voice. Hmm. So I'm super. Maybe you know I'm just confused by that. Maybe they had a one like a, a person loop it in or something because he's only in like one scene. Maybe or maybe he just uh, kind of forgot his General Hawk voice. Maybe and just did like a generic general voice. That's a. I mean, like you guys listening at home, like that is not general. Hawk. That is a different, different character. Yeah, yeah. It, it really threw me for a loop, though. And the whole time I wrote right here, I just have made it. Is it Zorana? <laughs> and then, sure enough, very next did, room. Did, Gina, did you have that note? Because we both had the note. I mean, I knew it was definitely like someone evil and someone in disguise. But did you write it down? I wrote down. They just let a woman serve them tea and hear this stuff. <laughs> so yeah, you were there. Yeah. You were with us. Yeah, right. Okay, so we go back to Zorana revealing her plan. 
Uh, I always like every time a, a, a cobra or a GI Joe like pulls off their disguise, they always just leave it on the floor behind yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Who's the cobra agent in charge of like the disguise team? Yeah. Who then has to come by and like pick up all the pieces They're and put like, them back ah, in costuming? I told them like three times, just put it back on the hanger. You don't even need to steam it or anything. I'll steam it. Just There's... hand it to me. Why are you throwing it on the dusty dungeon floor? <laughs> uh, I don't think they have costume cobras, but I do think they have janitor cobras whose job oh, yeah. is to follow behind all of the major cobras and just you know like. When they knock something off, you know, like they, they, they throw a, a coffee mug at the wall and it splatters. Or someone just runs Somebody's right up. How many- like in Disneyland, like stuff doesn't stay dirty for very long or yeah. on the ground for very long. And how many broken TVs alone have we seen yeah. from Cobra Commander shooting um, them? Honestly, I think the Joes have destroyed more TVs than oh, uh, right. Cobras. Speaking of which, this episode. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, um, there's a cool-ass shadow shot here. I was about to say, the Dr. Mindbender black and white artistic yeah. shot. Yeah, I, I know it, you guys noticed it. It looked like they were doing like they were getting ready to be like, ooh, let's make this a print and like sell them online and get them framed. No joke, I would buy that print. Yeah, in a heartbeat, I would buy that print. Uh, uh, you know what? Um, this episode really kind of cemented. Um, like when we first started doing this thing, I went with uh, Doctor Mindbender as quote my Joe, just because like yeah, he's like a. He's a smart guy and he's, he's a kind science of guy. Yeah. Um, but like this, like he, he's pretty friggin' solid. Yeah. Here. As yeah. a, as, as your sort of, uh, uh, undervillain, oh. like your your sub boss, mm-hmm. um, like he's smart and he uh, for the most part he, he's uh, he's doing good work here. Once again, no Serpentor. I really think he's no. phoning it in. He's not. He's he's refusing to get briefed because he thinks he's too smart. He's, <laughs> he, he's just like ah, I I like to sleep. So just I do don't things need without me to go to an intelligence rally. I'm already intelligent. I need to speak to my people. This I command. Just fill me in after the fact. <laughs> after the building is bombed and dropped to rubble. Exactly. Let me know what happened then. I also just love that uh, Zorana drives a moped. Yeah. <laughs> Mopeds are great. It's my favorite form of transport. <laughs> well, it makes it very European, right? Yeah, it's sure. Kind of like to the, the vibe of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's expect you like some French pop in the background. So we meet a character that I have never seen before question mark well you have <laughs> the answer it. is always you Damn have Wait, who uh we're talking cross about cross country, country? cross country who is been there like before. a 12 year old boy i am convinced is a 12 year old boy who lied about his age when he enlisted in gi <laughs> joe uh we saw cross country in the serpentor episode he was part of the desert team when zarana sent them away from the pyramids so she could get the dna Damn yeah it. he Damn hasn't it. done a lot he hasn't done a lot he's been like iceberg okay. he's a background character this is his episode clearly okay. Uh, so we, we get the premise of the episode at this point is that uh, there's a British spy, there's nerve gas, and G.I. Joe has it. They need to transport it. So there's an escort mission for the nerve gas that involves Flint Lady J, Dial Tone, and Cross Country. I'm just looking at this picture of uh, Dial Tone uh, standing next to Cross Country, and that whole setup just doesn't make any goddamn sense. Like, what do you mean? It's Why a fucking phone, but he has this gigantic mojo style uh, um, contraption over his back that goes goes up his, the back of his head and goes over it, yep. and then a huge ass mouthpiece that sort of yep. comes around the side of his face. That's how phones work, Jan. Just for 
oh my god as soon as the uh as, as soon as cell technology came along it must have been just like oh thank christ yeah. well as we <laughs> said gonna... when we did his file card dial tone is the modern day quote-unquote uh telecommunications equivalent of those guys in saving private ryan with the giant contraptions on their backs with the antennas yeah. and the crank phones right so he's just that but for like the at&t sprint universe of the right 80s. but you'd think that i mean that was uh from world war ii right so like in the 40s, you would figure in the 40 years in between, they would have figured out how to shrink that just a little bit. Yeah. You guys remember, I said a memory, you guys remember back in the 90s when like collect calling was like a big deal and all the different phone companies did the collect call ads yeah. with yeah. Paul Reiser and like 10 cents a minute. Hey, 25 cents a minute during the day, but only five cents a minute at night. My whole thing was when I was in high school and and people didn't have cell phones, uh, uh, I would call home like when I was ready to get picked up after like drama practice or whatever I was doing. And in the amount of time that it says, say your name, you go, I'm done with practice. Come pick me up. And then they reject the call. And then mm. they reject the call. It costs them no money. Like it goes, you have a collect call from, I'm done with practice. Come pick me up. It cost my yep. parents nothing. Yep. And you saved a quarter, which you can use to spend on bubble gum or whatever <laughs> it was you did in Jersey yep, back then. Yep. Pogs or, and, and Magic the Gathering cards, I think, were know, things that I, people in my high school were doing. Can I tell you right now, I tried to do that trick with my mom, but she would pick up anyway. So it'd be like, this is Ray, come pick me up. And then all of a sudden it would be like, you wait, you wait, you wait. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, hey, so you ready to become be picked up? I'm like, <laughs> yes, that was the whole point of the message, mom. <laughs> Now I'm costing you money. Or are you costing you money? No, no, no. It, it's 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 on the person that you call collect. So mm -hmm. I would save my parents money. But my parents would be the ones paying the phone bill. Yeah, with exactly. the collect call on it. But yeah, so that, that's that's my mom in a nutshell. The, I introduced her to Facebook, and I sent her a Facebook instant message. You know the the messenger client. Yep. And I sent a message asking her a question, and then I just saw like the bubbles pop up once. I saw the bubbles pop up, disappear, <laughs> bubbles, and then she just called me. <laughs> <laughs> And this is why you should never introduce technology to your parents. Oh, my God. Because I, I got off on a tangent, but it made, it made me feel joy. So what was with the robot door? Chan, can you explain the robot door where they got the actual like nerve gas from? Because cross-country oh, yeah, knocks yeah. on it, and then a slot opens, and then a machine gun comes out, yeah, yeah, no, and no, then no. robot so, hands. Uh, some animator had just watched <laughs> Return of the Jedi. I was like, oh. I want to put a giant robot eye here. I'm like, dude. Everybody's seen Return of the Jedi. Dial it back. It's like, all right, how about robot arms? Okay. I was thinking it was Wizard of Ozzy. A where, little bit, yeah. Where like, it's like you knock, and then there's there's a guy with a tiny door that pokes his head out, and he's telling them not nobody gets in to see the <laughs> wizard, not nobody, not know how. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Nobody beats G.I. Joe. But now Cobra's got the Sea Ray. Incredible Sea Ray splits to become a mini sub and an armored glider. Cobra! And for attacking on snow and ice, there's the Cobra Wolf. It's the Techno Viper. The Cobra Wolf is vicious on ice and snow and hot on the trail of GI Joe. And nobody beats GI Joe, the real American hero. Cobra Sea Ray and Cobra Wolf each sold separately. Now, back to G.I. Joe. Uh, so so they, they take the gas. They go and they get stuck in. They're, they're taking this weird because they can't use any freeways or, and they have to avoid towns. 
So they got like this weird like mountain trail that nobody knows where they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they're just gonna die of exposure up there and get lost. Yeah. Uh, they get trapped in a dead end. Dreadnoughts show up, and we learn a little bit about cross country. And I have a theory about cross country. Can we hear this uh, quote though? This hometown homespun wisdom that cross country. I don't has think in the it's moment. any better than my. Uh, he's a twelve year old boy that's posing as a twenty something year old man. We will see. Theory. <laughs> what is? It's kind of hard to circle the wagons when you only got one armadillo. I don't what does that I, I, mean? I was like, oh, what is that a phrase? And then I realized, oh, an armadillo must be one of the G.I. Joe vehicles. Yes, which it always is this has fit of stupid, vehicle. It, which always have stupid names. This vehicle is called an armadillo. So he's saying circle the wagons. I okay. really felt like an armadillo has like a hard shell, but like you there's a soft underbelly, so you can't circle the wagons no, with one. It definitely took me a little while to be like, oh, what? Is that some sort of crazy southern saying that I don't know about? And then I realized like, oh no, this is like when people when they were naming things shark. And but shark stood for something. I bet armadillo stands for something. Yeah, armadillo. I'm sure it's like armed road. Ma- mechanical mobile <laughs> mobile. Yeah. Uh, my, so my theory about cross country is he would grow up to become Doctor Phil. Hold on, <laughs> with his own mis- fun wisdom. Yes. Uh oh, never. No. Um, weird. At one point, the uh, um, armadillo was the name of a Joe, and he drove the Rolling Thunder. But in fact, there is a toy called an armadillo, and it is this toy. It's a mini tank, which doesn't make any. I don't. It's like a scooter with guns on it. Yes. Why would you? You don't get in anywhere. You just hang on the back. There's a little roll bar for you to hold on to, and it's like you a. You want sh- it to be like a real armadillo. It, it's like a shopping cart. <laughs> I, it's it's such a weird design. Okay, I, I guess as a toy, it makes sense. Because you get the driver, um, you get a gunner, and then two more people hang on the back. You, no, uh, it's like a his the, tank because his tank was designed the same way, where you had the guy in the in the enclosure, you had the gunner on top in the turret, and then two extra cobras could hang on the very back flap of the his tank. Right, okay. and it's sort of like a less armored, you know, light, you know, uh, uh, thing version of that. Right, one driver, two, uh, two hold on to the back. It is the single worst. G.I. Joe vehicle for carrying around a uh, a case of full of nerve gas. That is correct. Because they just put it, they just strap it to the outside. Yeah. There isn't even any storage space. It's just uh, the only thing standing between um, uh, them and the complete decimation of a state, uh, an entire, uh, uh, the population of an entire United State yes. is, uh, um, is a piece of canvas strap. <laughs> Uh, well, t- so the, the Dreadnoughts attack, the Thunder Machine's there, Dial Tone goes down, and there's a big fight. The Dreadnoughts really are terrible shots. This firefight seems to last a good 30 minutes. Actually, hold on a sec. In real time. You mentioned the uh, the sort of black and white shot of... Yeah. Uh, um, Was there another uh, one? For for as much as... Uh, and also, there were a number of animation mistakes in this episode. What? Not gonna, not gonna, I'm just going to let those go. No such but thing. But the fact is, there was that shot, and there's this uh, split screen shot which happens with Zartan, and I think it's uh, um, uh, I, I think it's cross country. It was, cool. and I was like, uh, yeah, I, I thought like, it was cool. This is kind of neat. Yeah, uh, I was kind of hoping there would be more of that during the fight. Like, let's mix it up visually, and that was the only time. But I was like, oh, somebody, somebody was like, I'm gonna kind of make this look cool, and they did. 
Somebody made a choice to make something look cool, mm-hmm. and then they did it. And then they did it. <laughs> well, uh, thank, just a teeny bit. Thank God Burke shows up with his weird like smoke screen, and he puts smoke. If you just shoot at the smoke, you're still going to hit somebody, though. This is why I'm like a little bit upset with the dreadnoughts in this fight. <laughs> it feels like they really did not take advantage. <laughs> but I mean, our bullets can't pierce that smoke. <laughs> <laughs> the thunder machine. Like Also, if you're going towards it and you're covered in smoke, you can hit the brake. You're allowed to stop driving forward if you can't see and <laughs> wait for it to dissipate. He's like, oh, I can't see. And then he just plows like off a cliff. Like, it's... To, to be fair, they are very stupid. But Thrasher's supposed to be the smart dreadnought. That's the part that upsets Even me. Even the smart dreadnought is still stupid. He's still pretty stupid. stupid. Okay. Uh, for a, just a moment, I was like, the fuck is that the General Lee that's coming to save him? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then I was like, okay, no, this is supposed to be like an Aston Martin. It's a spy but car. But it sounds like a General... It's painted like a General Lee, and it sort of sounds like uh, the Dukes of Hazard car. So they kind of... I think they tried to split the difference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bet you originally it was like, great, it was supposed to be Bondy, and they're like, you know what, let's just try and uh, ra- ra- rope it in with uh, what's popular at the well- time. Can we talk for a moment about how into Burke Lady J is? Yeah, I was going to say, I have, a, I have a series of notes. First of all, I love it. I love it that she's unabashedly flirting with him in front of Flint because Flint's had a lot of time to seal the deal and he mm-hmm. doesn't. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, what's good for the goose is good for the motherfucking gander. Yeah, get yours, Lady J. And I, mean, I, and I love that he just steals her right in front of Flint. He's, dude, he's got that sexy accent. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't she? He's wearing oh, yeah. a tuxedo Why wouldn't flawlessly. any of them? Oh yeah. yeah! Holy crap! I would I would have some cave sex <laughs> while they were holed up in that cave with that man. Yeah, I mean, obviously she was like, "I'm going to take the first watch," and he goes, "I will follow you out there because she needs coffee." coffee. Yeah, and yeah. Flint's hot like, coffee. His, hot, uh, his hot dick juice coffee. What? Ew! <laughs> ew! No, sorry. Creamer? Like I was? I'm not creamer. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, no, I'll, I'll figure this out. Okay, so like, Shangina's uh, uh, being gross. Dunkin' again. Donuts. Uh, Dunkin', it's like a, it's a frappuccino. Is he gonna uh, give her a cold frappuccino about, to the like face? A, like a cream-filled donut. <laughs> um. So I have a series of 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 uh things that Flint says here that that I think I think meant something other than what they said. So he. <laughs> So uh, uh, Super Spy says, like, oh, I'll take the second shift, and then lets everyone fall asleep, and then steals steals the box. That's where we're going with this, yeah. Yeah, so Flint Flint wakes up, and he goes, oh, oh where's that box? And he's clearly talking. He could, <laughs> you think he's talking about Lady J? He, he could be talking about the poison gas, but he could also be talking about Lady J's vagina. Because he, because like, he, he probably was like, oh, yeah, I, I lost that box to that British guy. I lost my woman's box to the British guy. Look at this. <sighs> Where's that box? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He wakes up. He knows he's lost Lady J. Yeah. And he's like, oh, where is it? I had it. I had the box. I had it for a, like a season and a half. I lost the box. Where is it? And then and then a little bit, a little bit later on. So they, they end up getting trapped in the cave. The spy, the spy uh, uh, double crosses them, it seems. And then and then uh, he says, uh maybe there's a back door and and lady j says and if there isn't he goes i'll make one yeah and he could be ca- talking about the cave or he could be talking about her butt <laughs> <laughs> he'll make lady j's butt <laughs> i'll poke another hole into your backside oh but... dear lord no he's clearly like all right all right i have options oh that guy stole my stole her box I can, I can, I, I can find a back door. And yeah. She's like, "Oh, what if the back door isn't letting you in?" And he's like, "I'm gonna make it let me in." <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay, now it's now it's ugly. Now you've made it ugly. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, thank God there is a back door to the cave. Now, because uh, the front the front door to the cave has been caved in, so the dread knocks and all the cobras can't get in. So Monkey Wrench, and I love this moment, he plants a, a bomb on the front door of the cave and then sets the bomb and then jumps off the cliff <laughs> to his almost certain death. <laughs> That's what I would have done. Because if you look at the long shot, there's a little plateau, and then it goes straight down like 900 feet. If you're going to do an awesome thing, you want it to look awesome just in case anyone is taking a picture. (laughs) I mean, there is absolutely a Cobra photographer. uh, Oh, yeah. A photographer for Cobra Life magazine. Exactly. Just looking for those slick shots. They probably get bonuses. Like if you have a really great shot uh, Uh that makes it into, you know, like an inspirational shot, like jumping off a damn cliff. If if your shot makes it into Cobra Life magazine, you probably get a bonus. Yeah, like like someone's, they're going to be walking by him in the hall while he's got a full body cast on them. And they're going to be like, Oh, Monkey Ranch, saw you, saw your pick in Cobra Live. Looking good, looking yeah. good. You did the Michael Bay pose, jumping away from the explosion. Yeah, <laughs> he, know, he knows what sells Cobra Life. Cobra mm-hmm. Life, uh, also our favorite magazine. Uh, sponsor of the show, actually. Yep. Cobra Life, uh, subscribe today. <laughs> uh, and- <Ooh. laughs> so G.I. Joe steals the stuns, and this is the shot you were talking about, because both Zartan and Thrasher and the Thunder Machine uh, split screen, shooting at them uh, together, mm-hmm. and both get run, absolutely, by the stuns. Because, okay, this is, okay, I need some design help here. Uh, he goes in the back of the stun. So uh, he's the, cross country is the rear gunner shooting at Thunder's, uh, uh, the Thunder Machine. And the gun is jammed because there's a piece of shrapnel stuck in the barrel of the gun. Uh-huh. That's a little off to begin with. Uh, this, to me, read like one of those moments in a movie, especially cross country's reaction. It read to me like one of those mov- moments in a movie where it's like, oh, God, no, if you shoot that gun, it, it means you'll blow up. Or if you flip that car, you're going to die. And he's like, I'll buy you some time. <laughs> and then they're like, no. And he's like, just go. I'm going to buy you some time. And I wrote down, is cross country going to die? <laughs> because he was talking as if he was like, all right, I know what to do. I've got to sacrifice myself, buy them some time. They're going to get away. And I was I was pretty convinced that this was going to be the first grisly death we saw in, well, in this G.I. Joe cartoon. Did you like how Flint suggested to him? He says, cross country, jump off this, save yourself, knowing full well if he jumps off it, he's going to die in cross country. He's like, fuck you, Flint. Yeah. I'm sticking on here. I'm going to problem solve this bitch. I know what you're playing at here. And so he takes a wrench. I think he's just concerned that... Uh... Yeah. There's another person who's going to try to be getting up in Lady J's <laughs> He's pants. Nervous. <laughs> take a, take out as many of as I can. <laughs> so he takes a wrench and he throws it uh-huh. and hits Thrasher in the face. In the face. There is there no windshield on the thunder machine. I mean, I'm sure there's a very oh. thin slit that apparently is uh, impervious to bullets, but not to a gigantic fucking wrench. That would that would that would do so much damage. Taking yeah. a wrench to the face at oh, that yeah. speed. Yep. But unquestionably. But like the Thunder Machine was de- in theory designed to drive through the bayou where there is a lot of like animal life and insects and whatnot. I would think a windshield would be like first thing you'd want to put mm-hmm. on the Thunder Machine. Having an open cockpit driver, granted it is Cobra chic to have that, seems like a very strong design flaw to me. To be fair, it is a prototype. You are correct. That's he did true. steal a Cobra That's prototype. <laughs> Uh, and so, and then we have one of the, str- okay, so they get away, uh, the Thunder Machine like flips over and everybody crashes into it. Again, you, there is a break, Dreadnoughts. You don't always have to be going full forward all the time. What if they don't have I was breaks? just going to say, what if, oh. we, we're making a lot of assumptions here, but knowing the Dreadnoughts, like they probably thought it was fun. 
and funny yeah. cannot have breaks. And they were like, no, no, hear me out. This is going to be cool. And they're Guys, like, yeah, you're right. It is going to be got cool. Got this great idea. <laughs> uh, we, we, so we get one of the l- most flimsy uh, plot devices I think we've seen in a G.I. Joe episode. And that might even be saying something. He, They find matches that Burke left behind to a motel that happens to be in the area. No, this isn't and flimsy. They use this in a lot of detective-y things. It just seems in these circumstances, it's a little, it's a little nah, cheap. Nah, there's tons of movies where it's like, God, we need a clue. And then they're like, oh my God, book this book of matches. Although, uh, that would imply then that uh, Matthew Burke stayed at this hotel. Right. Went to go retrieve the nerve gas. Correct. Went back to the motel. Went back again. Just hung out there for a while. Instead of doing whatever. The job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he, not only did he go to the hotel and he, he got the matches there, he accidentally left the matches behind. And yeah. Oh, no, no. He <laughs> gave them to Lady J. Oh, that's yeah. right. Because oh, because, because she was going to be working underneath the car. The and dark. they said, it's so dark. Maybe if there was a torch. And I would think holding a torch underneath a car engine may be the worst uh, idea you could do. Here's the thing. I I know this from reading and watching many British things. Torch is what they call a flashlight. No, no, no. It was a flare. It was an an actual on-fire flare that he handed her. Correct. Oh, really? Like a physical... Maybe it was meant to be like the the translation got lost between the animators and the writing No, I think he said flare. It's a flare. Well, he said he had a torch and a flare. But then he hands her an actual on-fire stick. Huh. And I'm just like you. The car, there's, the car's not raised up on anything. She's crawling under a car with an open flame. I mean, maybe it's like maybe it's an inside joke. Like maybe because because that it, torch is what British people call. I'm with you. Uh, so maybe at some point the writers would be like, "Oh, this will be funny." She'll say torch, and we'll hand her something that's like an actual open flame <laughs> instead of a flash for a gasoline engine. <laughs> I mean, it does. He matches. No go. None of us smoke. Nor do I. But I found some in the car. Fortunately, I also carry these flares. He doesn't say anything about a torch. You just made that up. She says maybe. She says, I thought somebody said torch. Nobody said torch. Oh, there was my theory. Somebody said torch. We're going to go back, guys. Somebody's. We're going to do this in Know Your Joe. Somebody said torch. I will rewatch this whole episode (laughs) just to hear the character named torch get named so I can at least claim I was right somehow. Uh, Okay, so we go to the motel. Now, what was the name of the motel? Did anybody pick up on that? The Desert Dunes. The Desert Dunes. Oh, I like naming I, stuff I, is yeah. nice. You know what you're getting into when you stay at yep. the Desert Dunes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if you do. Yeah, the spices there are delightful. <laughs> it's it's in the desert mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where there are dunes. Thank you. And and that's what you're sleeping on? Well, it's a motel also. No, I know. <laughs> the motel part say, of it will fill saying, you in on the there, rest of the book. There, are there big... <laughs> Are there big sand beds in the in the room? I don't think it's as as, as on the nose as you think it is. <laughs> well, like like a, a like oasis oasis motel would be more accurate. Yeah, what are you only... what are you sleeping in a pool or something like that? What do you mean? There's one tree and some that... water. I'm confused. <laughs> are there camels? Will there be camels drinking in my? I, I want all of my these bed? things. Will the Gallagher's be playing there? In my next Airbnb. <laughs> I want all these things. <laughs> All of the above. Uh, okay, so they they're big, make a big deal about going in and talking to the receptionist, who clearly is Zerana again. Like, uh, wow, and it's... Swanky dang Ferner, high roller. Yeah, room 103. <laughs> Ferner, and he she's not the only one no. to pronounce it Ferner. Cross Country like, says that as well. Just just gonzo banana <laughs> xenophobic. I just got what about she was actually saying. British dude? <laughs> It's not even like like some like oh you dirty rag hit you filthy Muslim whatever <laughs> it's a dude it's a white 
it's a white British guy, and you're like, fucking monster, evil, foreigner. Oh, weird. And, and this is in Nevada, which is, in theory, tourist-friendly. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't a lot know about the people. that a whole lot of people make it out to whatever the middle of nowhere that they're the in. The Desert Dunes, a very yeah. popular motel. <laughs> but also, this says a lot about what Zorana thinks these local Nevadans think, because maybe if it was the real receptionist, she would have been like, Oh yeah, he was wearing a suit. Right. Oh yeah, he's in this room. Oh, I fucked him. And then yeah. if she if she oh, yeah. saw Zorana's uh 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 impression of her, she would be like, "What the fuck are you talking? He's British." <laughs> well, I would never call someone a ferner. <laughs> also, we don't talk like that around ignorant. here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and yet they accepted it. Uh, yeah. Side on question. So definitely she played on their uh, their own stereotypes. Yeah. Well, do you feel like cross? There was a moment where like cross country turned and it was just like. I vouch for this. Yeah. <laughs> this nope, woman makes sense. She's clearly in the right. Uh, so they go to Bards into the room. Oh, he also pays with his G.I. Joe credit card, which I love the yep. reset of that. Uh-huh. That made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they go to Bards into the room and they fall in a gigantic hole. Did nobody hear that shit? <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> I, I understand that, you know, you're in a motel and you're like, thump, 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 thump. Oh, God, that's so loud. Just please stop. But... There's a difference between uh, people fucking next door mm-hmm. and people construction drilling <laughs> and uh, taking out the entire floor, yeah, uh, and making a, a twenty foot hole. But it, it, so it might, maybe I'm reading too far, but between the lines, maybe this is an even like deeper inception. But Cobra built this motel to be a Cobra motel to trap Joe's in. Matthew Burke knew about it, stayed here on purpose. Oh. So that way that, you know what I'm saying? The whole thing could tie together. I got you. I got you. Uh, and maybe, again, we know Matthew Burke has stayed at this hotel already yep. because he has the matches from it, which mm. means not every room has a giant hole in it, in theory. <laughs> Although they did have the uh, the big old drill machine there. And we got so. a reset of the drilling machine for so like the I, third I, or fourth time. I feel time. like that meant that they did it just recently. Okay. But I guess if, if Cobra owns it and nobody is staying there, then you could do that without really bothering anybody. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm yeah. trying to I'm trying to make this right in my nope. brain. That makes sense. Uh, so they strip down the entire car looking for the nerve gas. Mm-hmm. The one place they don't check is the, the glove, glove compartment. compartment. Which at first I was like, "You are the stupidest people to face the earth." Then I was like, "No." They're the biggest dicks in the universe. They're like, oh, yeah, well, let's go look for, uh, how about we start in the engine? Is it there? Let's tear the shit out of it. <laughs> how about we look at all the tires? Let's make sure we rip them off. Tear them bust off. Bust the axles off. Let's start. You know what? Maybe it's inside the windshield. Let's smash all of the windows just to make sure. Oh, they gosh, you know where we didn't look? The glove compartment. The one place oh, you would store something. Oh, darn. We completely destroyed the car, the process. And this is why Zartan, though, is the leader. Because mm. they say, like, we searched everywhere. We couldn't find it. He's like, boop. And there it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and Dr. Mindben, okay, uh, explain this line to me, maybe. Uh, he says, normally we would have you shot, but I'm feeling generous. I'm going to let you live. When has Cobra ever had anyone shot in, in 100 episodes of G.I. Joe? You don't know about all their day-to-day operations, Ray. Is that right? Yeah. There's probably a lot of people getting shot. Yeah. But, um, uh, j- those are the grunts. Just yeah, the green Yeah, not shirts. like high-profile people. Oh, okay. People would yeah. notice that. Mm-hmm. A lot of homeless people, probably. <laughs> it's, it's like... <laughs> Cobra's it's like when you're, you're a big time Hollywood producer and you've got your casting couch and you're like, ah, I'm going to sexually assault a woman today. You're going <laughs> to sexually assault like the extras and the, the, the yeah, you know, the people who yeah. only have 
the under PAs. five lines. You don't yeah. you don't go to like Meryl Streep and like I'm gonna sexually assault you, Meryl Streep. You're gonna uh, yeah, you're gonna do a PA first. Oh, yeah, you're always gonna do like a PA the big first. timers. You're gonna you know and like, let this be a lesson. If you're interested in sleeping with uh, people involved in Hollywood, a PA yeah. job is the best <laughs> one to get into. Uh, yep. Just being on set, honestly, they'll be like, I'm interested. Uh, you're here. Okay, let's go back to the trailer. <laughs> yeah. It's the way that you get on royalty, guys. Mm-hmm, That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. You don't be famous. That's way too much work. How and then think... it's a lot of like work on top of work. How do you think we all got on this podcast? Thank you. Yeah. How Wait did we all get on this podcast? I, like there was like, you know, like one person that we all slept with to get this fancy podcast. Did you all sleep with my girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say I love the uh, blast where he says uh, uh, we, I, it was a gift from Auntie. I was just about to say that yep. when he first said it, I was like a gift from Auntie. Oh, that's that's a cute little thing you're saying, you know, like uh, um, like oh, it has sentimental value. Right. And then he says it again. I'm like, oh, he bring he's bringing back. That's very funny. Then the third time when the truck the- pulls up with Auntie, I'm like. Oh, the man from Uncle. The man from Uncle. Yep. Oh. There was a is... spy show back in like the uh-huh. 70s, I want to say. Maybe 60s called The Man from Uncle. Mm-hmm. UNCLE was all ap- uh, apostrophe. There was actually a, a remake, a movie remake. It was it was a very was, enjoyable. Yeah, it was yeah. Very enjoyable. A film from not that long ago actually. So yeah, the I feel idea, like it was this year. So they're sending mm-hmm. it off as Auntie. It brought me joy. I forgot yeah. about that entirely when the truck pulled up with all the dots on, after each letter. Yep. I was like First off, what does it stand for? <laughs> Who cares? Does not matter. matter. What does Uncle stand for? Does anybody even know that? <laughs> no. I'll start there. Uh, but I was like, that is that is adorable. That mm-hmm. is so smart. That I is one it. of that is one of the uh, best gags I think in uh, um, in this it, entire series. Oh wow. Okay, I would go wow. there because it's it is it's next level. And mm-hmm. most of the kids watching it probably even in the eighties would have Didn't no idea. Yeah. no idea what that even means. The United Network Command for Law and Enforcement. Oh, that actually makes oh. sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, so Auntie would be the. Uh... Don't even worry about it. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> uh, cool. So Flint uh, is trying to figure out what's going on, and he says, "You know, if they're not here soon, we're going to have to immediately like we have to do something crazy." And then, without waiting more than a millisecond, immediately does that crazy thing. Like, oh. how long were you planning to wait, Flint, or were you just like setting the scene? For like what you were gonna do. We also are almost to the point Hold now where we're about blast to it up, you dang blasted furner. Yes. Let's <laughs> get set again. Cross country, man. Cross oh country. my god. That was definitely a direction that was given to the actors to yeah. pronounce it furner. Because even if you uh, stretch, you know, uh like you furner, you furner uh to get to Furner, that's a yeah, that's uh, a Hodor moment there. Yeah, <laughs> Furner, 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 Furner. If Cross Country just said Furner for the rest of the series, it would be magical. Also, after seeing this episode, I will never call the band Foreigner not Furner <laughs> for the rest of my life. Uh, you talking about Furner? <laughs> Um, so okay, so Flint crashes in. Uh, this is crazy. So uh, Matthew Burke he crashes into Doctor Mindbender's jet. Flint just decides all out assault. Like he, these people are trained in military stuff, and they just decide let's just drive at them. I will say that it makes no sense because they shoot the other Night Ravens, disabling them. Correct. You could just shoot the last Night Raven, also disabling it. On the table. However, <laughs> when I was younger, uh, I would play Ninjas and Super Spies. Ooh, nice. Uh, the old Palladium That's game. That's a wonderful role-playing game. And uh, if I would have like a, a gadget, 
uh, if I were DMing or something, I would figure out a way to use the gadget. I would contrive situations to be able to use, for example, the backward shooting gun. The yeah. one where, you know, it's, it's, and uh, it, it, so as a kid, the the logic is impeccable to me that if you have a toy with a special thing, you use it. If you have an ejector seat, you've got to figure out how to use it. And that means running it into, completely unnecessarily, running it into a plane, you do that. But he, uh, but uh, Burke also says, I'm going to put this on ro- autopilot and yep. drive it into Mindbender. Mm-hmm. So they get out or whatever. And then Flint's like, he's crazy. He's driving that right into it. It's like, but he just said he has a robot to do that. No, no, no. The person who said he's crazy... That's Mindbender. That's a wonderful line read, though, for the yeah. record. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Mindbender's nothing but great line reads. <laughs> you, are, you are not wrong. So Mindbender is now, he's, he's stuck. He has the jar of nerve gas, and he's at this point like, F it. We could use this to take over the world. I'm going to kill a Joe. Yep. Throws it at them. Mm-hmm. Flint, in a moment of utter heroism. It's a Captain, Amer- it's a Captain America thing. He does. Uh, well, you're going to deny Flint's complete heroism right now? Uh, you realize that it's a nerve gas, right? Right. So he, he's very stupid. It throws a bottle and it breaks jumping on it. The only thing that's going to do is You stop the gas from getting anywhere. Glass shards into your chest because it, the gas is just going to go around you. Jan, I, I don't think you understand science like I do. And if there's a gas <laughs> and I you mean, jump on the gas, it gets enveloped under your body and then dissipates inside you. It's like a grenade. I he think he didn't, was going to jump and then he was going to go... <laughs> <laughs> He didn't even manage to stop the spread of the cream soda that it actually was. Spoiler alert, it was cream soda the whole time. And nobody noticed. It wasn't, it's like, it would be foamy or something, wouldn't it? Like, it was. No, it's flat by that point. It's been jostled a lot. It's been jostled. Yeah. These people don't know what friggin' nerve gas looks like. <laughs> and then we get revealed the big plot. General Hawk and Burke worked together because they knew Zorana mm-hmm. was the maid. And so they did this whole thing. The thing was delivered hours ago in the. Uh, uh, yep. In the Watchmen plot, like that was that was sheer genius, smart play. Like, dude, this dude knows what he's doing. Yes, and uh, the Joes were big old dum dums. Here's the question I have, though: If mm. we assume, if we know all this about all this, why did they attack the airbase at the end? the The real container had already been delivered. People could have died in this final mission. They weren't like going to capture anybody. Mm-hmm. W- let let him have it at that point. Let they him find out on his own that it's cream soda. They, I feel like they fun. wanted to see how far they could take it. <laughs> yeah, really? it's like, oh my yeah. god, these guys are still buying it. I mean, even after all that Desert Dune shit. All right, let's do this. That's this is going to be hilarious. Yeah, like, hilarious. Yeah. It's going to be like one time we did this thing to the Cobra guys, <laughs> and <laughs> we took it all the way. But all five of them are together. Cobra has left. They're all alive. Mm-hmm. Cobra has the cream soda. They're about to go back to their base. You could cut the cord right there and no, say no. mission successful. No, he was looking at the budget. He was like, we've still got $140,000 left to spend. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to pilot a car right into the jets. Why not? Come on, let's do this. And then in the final scene, in the walk-off, because you got to have the laugh line at the end, yeah. we get Hector Ramirez. Yeah. We haven't seen Hector yeah. Ramirez in forever. And they didn't really say it was him, but it was absolutely Hector Ramirez <laughs> doing a news report about our hero, Matt Burke, does it by himself. And in this moment, Lady J realizes, that guy's kind of a dick. Uh, here's the thing, though. He can't say he worked with the Joes on this, right? Here's the thing. He did single-handedly do it. He got the thing to the point. lab that's good point. completely that's on his own. I didn't even think of that. And these yokels, he was just fucking around with them. Yeah, that's true. 
He was, yeah, he was proving that the British are superior. But Lady yeah. J gets pissed, opens the door, and smashes the TV into the hallway, talk almost about, killing Dial Tone. Talk about <laughs> cutting off your nose to spite your face. I feel like the, the U.S. government next year is going to be like, what is this budget that you've allotted for TVs? Oh, they don't check G.I. Joe's budget. <laughs> we know this. No. Do, do you no. know that last year uh, uh, the the British version of the CIA upped <laughs> their budget for those guys? Because they are killing it, and you guys are breaking TVs. Uh, he did destroy two cars during the course of the episode, though. Two expensive yeah, he, cars. Yeah. he got his mission done, so he should destroy whatever he wants. And then they give Dial Tone the walk-off line. It's so weird. That was which so is what weird. a weird way to end the episode. <laughs> now that's what I call one tough TV critic. Weirdest thing ever. I mean, you need a walk-off line, and I guess that was when, as we said before, that's when the taco trucks showed up. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like we just need something. Like she's a she's a critic. She's a TV critic. She's a tough TV critic. Good enough. Send it. Yeah, yeah. We got, we got Carnitas, lunch. Carnitas, please. Lunch is yeah. here. I need some shredded cheese inside me right now. <laughs> uh, and then that's it. So, Gina, did we pass the Bechtel test today? We did not. God, it's been kind of a theme. I feel like the, the, the one. I feel like one episode. If we went back, we would see like only one episode, maybe this the season. Ep- yeah, the episodes are getting better, but the uh, the women folk are getting worse. Yeah. Well, yeah. the problem is like you had a lot more characters. You had Scarlet Lady J, Cover Girl, previously. And only in the Glamour Girls episode, I believe it's the only one this season that we've actually like, where there were so many women and, you know, you had no choice but to pass the Bechtel test. But here we've got Zorana pretty much every episode. We've got Lady J once in a while, and that's it. Yeah. Maybe a little barrenness here and there, you know. Mm-hmm. Our best chance at passing Bechtel test is to do it through Cobra, and that is not a good recipe for success. That's, yeah. Um, well, guys, that's going to do it for uh, The Spy Who Rooked Me. If you could, go on iTunes, give us five-star review. We have a Patreon going on right now. You can hit us up, facebook.com, slash knowing is half the podcast for the link. You can get access to our bonus episode vault, if that's something that you would like to do. Uh, or you can email the show, knowing is half the podcast at gmail.com, or Twitter at G.I. Joe Podcast. Uh, individually, I'm at Twitter at Almighty Ray. At 999 RPMs. I'm at Gina Ippy. And Gina's got places to be right now, so we would normally do banter here, but we're not gonna, so um, bye. Now that's what I call a TV critic. That's not even the line, Gina. No, that's what that's what I'm doing about. Chan, TV just end the episode. And end critics. it. My God, you're d- please kill me. Just, now, this talk, is, talk about a. Uh, this is the critic. outro version of Ray's <sighs> shitty intro. Talk, <laughs> talk about a, a critic of television. <laughs> Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy, you gotta sink this putt to win. Or, I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world, working actors, comedians, writers, stunt people, you get it, and we do it all over breakfast, or should I say, Breakfast. Every week is a new episode of Breakfast, and here's what you get. 
Inside Hollywood info like, how cool is it to act with Ed O'Neill? Spoiler alert, it's really cool. And what the heck is a gaffer? You get great breakfast wrecks and foodie debates like, when should you go hash browns and when do you go home fries? I know the answer to that. Trust me, my pancake posse, my bacon brigade. Listen up, because breakfast is the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in, it's breakfast time. Breakfast with Brent Pope, available at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thank you.